Uh, Paul, that was an excerpt from uh, Ten Rainbows, <laughs> uh, a project conceived of by me in a moment of extreme dankness, which is mm-hmm. to play uh, lots of copies of Radiohead's In Rainbows over one another, uh, set <laughs> off at uh, particular math- mathematical intervals. Oh, oh, there was math behind the... Uh... The choices of the passages there. Wow. There was. There was. And, uh, you know, uh, the effect at times was interesting, but I ran up against the technical problem of not having the original stems and tracks of the recording. Um, uh-huh. So uh, really brick-walled, um, lost all the dynamics of, oh, of yeah. the music, and then... You know, just was kind of, uh, it really, it really came off as dull, even as when something interesting was happening. So you're surprised that this wasn't a work of instant genius. I'm actually surprised that it wasn't even worse than it was. That's how I felt about it, actually. <laughs> yeah. So I'm pleasantly surprised, uh, at the, uh, level of, bullshit um but uh i will say that that uh the the end of the piece when there are many copies of uh videotape playing over one another is uh pretty good yeah i I actually did find it strangely mesmerizing um (laughs) it it has the effect of highlighting uh Uh certain little bits of the the songs that you um are used to in a very particular context yeah exactly um i have a strong feeling that this may be the intro that causes uh the fewest number of people ever to listen to the subsequent episode um just because they'll probably wonder what's wrong with their headphones when they yes it might need a warning beforehand yeah maybe maybe you should add one of those in i don't know Mm. um i could yeah um so uh joe um that was the intro to our intro um and the intro is uh so this is the song uh old town road by uh is it lil nas x is that his uh sobriquet that's how i've been saying it yes yeah okay um so uh i have listened to this song exactly once in the billy ray cyrus remix form Mm. um and I didn't really know what the big fuss was about when I put it on, just because mm-hmm. it was just like a, a song that was on a list of songs to listen to. So I wasn't totally paying attention. And uh, an interesting fact uh, as a result is that I don't have any memory of it whatsoever. Oh. Um, yeah. I don't know what the song sounds like. Um, I don't. I know that it's a country rap song, and Billy Ray Cyrus and Little Nas X are in it. Um, I don't know the beat. I don't know the uh you know the hook i don't know any of that stuff so um do you think it would be possible for me to go through the rest of my life without ever learning what this song sounds like at this point in time hmm it yes possible absolutely yeah how likely Um, do you think it is i honestly i mean i find myself uh able to avoid a great deal of pop music 
that makes sense um with unless i'm purposefully seeking it out um great example recently uh is you know ariana grande's uh thank you next yeah grande grande ariana i say grande grande but I'm, i live uh, in arizona where we say grande and things um, like that uh which I, I was well aware of the song and the context, you know, there's right. fucking think piece of the New York times about it, just as there is several about Lil Nas X. Yeah. But it was months later that I, I think seeing a bit of the lyrics on, uh, genius.com, uh, made me think, Oh, Hey, I'm just going to go listen to this song. So I have context for all this. Yeah. Uh, all, all the things I'm reading. Otherwise, I never listen to any radio station that it's on, and I'm never at any sort of gathering when it's played. Yeah, um, but some of these songs, and I feel like Lil Nas, like this song is going to be one of them, Old Town Road. Like, eventually they, like, there's definitely going to be a Super Bowl ad next year with Old Town Road as the song. Yes, it. that is that is the risk. Um, you know, uh, probably... Uh, skipping out on things like the Super Bowl would be necessary to avoid these kind yeah. of cultural uh pop cultural touchstones. Yeah. Um well, I'm not willing to go that far, so. Yeah. Uh I am. I div- <laughs> uh, don't don't really intend to watch the Super Bowl okay. ever again. So the oh wow. Um you're uh, crazy man. Anyway, um, so I was thinking of upping the stakes now mm-hmm. by uh, since we're about to discuss this more seriously. Do you think I double down? Taking a break to listen to it once more, mm-hmm. and then we'll have our discussion and see the next time we record. You can ask me if I could hum the song or whatever. Yes, and we'll see if the answer is yes or no. Okay, let's do it. And I, I say listen to the original, not the Billy Ray Cyrus bullshit. Okay, done. Okay. All right. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your Porsche. I've been in the valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me. Uh, Paul, uh,. <laughs> Because our jokes suck, we can just admit that we actually listened to the real Old Town Road there uh-huh. uh, for the final time for you. Uh, do you feel sad? Um, <laughs> no. This uh, my uh, feeling about this is um, uh, uh, clearly this song is just a completely random piece of like pop detritus that happened to wash up on the shores of mainstream attention and uh it is you know probably it's catchier than your average uh 
SoundCloud junk, but um, uh, there's no reason it's a big deal except that uh, uh, just sheer chance. That's all. Yes. Uh, I, I think that looking at the lyrics this time, mm-hmm. um, I'm particularly struck by the uh, couplet at the beginning of the second verse, uh, riding on a tractor, lean all in my bladder. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're really going for that that slant rhyme there. Uh, to make sure you get bladder in there um what a what a poetic word um and you know when you're thinking about lean um Uh that's the place you most want to think about it uh uh-huh definitely the the organized so associate most with with lean yes yes uh um especially when you know uh you know i you could at least say I'm out in Sydney, lean in my kidney. I don't know any like kidney, any any liver, <laughs> any organ, but the bladder. Uh, there are a few that are worse than the bladder, but lean not many. Pouring out my dick would be better. <laughs> yeah, that would at least you know fade into the general, um, uh, just sort of background dick reference that's always occurring in hip hop. So. Uh, I've forgotten the question. Um. <laughs> Was there a question? I don't, I don't know. know. What were your thoughts? I guess I was just saying, like, what is what is <laughs> this is just completely random that this has become the world's most popular topic. Um, it's about it's it's you know what? It's honestly kind of like the audio version of um, uh, the dress in that. Yes. Um, is it country or is it rap? Yeah. Is it country or is it rap? It totally depends on just like how you're thinking about it. Uh, and, uh, in and of itself, apart from this weird way, it, um, fucks with your, uh, uh, categorical perceptions. It's not that remarkable in and of itself. Yeah. And I mean, well, what I'm going to say is, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to, there's a controversy around this song and I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go off, but uh-huh. if, if we're there, I'm, uh, I'm ready for that. I want to hear, I want to hear your thoughts, King. All right. Uh, Old Town Road. There's no question that this song is neither good country, it's not Towns Van Zant, and it's also <laughs> not good rap, such as the real Nas, Big Nas, mm-hmm. um, Big Nas A through Z. Um, <laughs> uh, I, but, I really enjoy that terrible joke. Go on. <laughs> thank you. Um, but uh, for those of you not familiar with the controversy, because uh, maybe you're uh, blissfully not on Twitter, um, or I guess also don't read the New York Times. Um, yeah. Uh, Which, I mean, that's kind of the whole world right there. So clearly everybody knows about it. Billboard um, put the original Old Town Road on the country charts and then yanked it, deciding it wasn't country. Um, and then in... Uh, after what, a very like prissy post by some country fan about uh, how, how inappropriate this was. Yes. And then, and then, um, as someone on Twitter put it, the uh, the king of all caucasity, Billy Ray <laughs> Cyrus, um, did a remix, uh, which got it back on the car the chart. Um, I uh-huh. think giving Billboard a very elegant, um, well, a, a convenient way. Yeah, it was uh, not elegant get, no. to get around uh, their 
utter stupidity and capitulation and uh, put the song back at uh, number one. Um, we're now, the, I guess, the number one song in the country. <laughs> um, and uh, which, which, all right. It's just like a normal bad pop song, you know, uh, yeah, any, it's any a, novelty it, bad pop song. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's just, you know, the latest in the series of novelty songs to sort of colonize the American mind for no good reason whatsoever. I mean, as someone who, uh, f- you know, fist pumped at a party in college to the uh, All Your Bass remix. Yeah, uh, exactly. I really cannot criticize <laughs> anyone uh, getting excited for two minutes when this song comes on. Yeah. It's exactly as stupid as that, yes. <laughs> uh, but I think there's the bigger question as to whether it being yanked from the Billboard charts is, is you know, uh, just sort of fuddy-duddying on a technicality or straight-up racist. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it's straight-up racist um, because, you know, uh, white people in this country get to define what racism is. You know, we get to say, uh, oh, you know, of you know, racists are only people who wear hoods or uh, you know, drop the hard R N word in casual conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think uh, a the rush of uh, popular, institutional, and uh, uh, affiliated scholarly folk to uh, remove. Uh, a a black man uh from black man's shitty song uh from a collection of uh white people's shitty songs um shows the uh deep and pervasive uh racism that uh seeps through uh, our culture still um uh, from the days when our country was founded uh, <laughs> on the dual principles of uh, democ- uh, free democracy and uh, making a shit ton of money from slaves. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah. This is just the latest uh, flowering of that sick flower? Uh, it sick has. A, a, no one, none. The flower uh, pollinates still. <laughs> All right. So, um uh here I think the answer is that it's both. Um uh the song was removed both because mm. um mm-hmm. it is not country and because uh the people removing it um uh were probably uncomfortable about the racial uh crossbreeding going on there. Mm-hmm. Uh miscegenation of music, I mm-hmm. think would probably be the term they would use. Yes. Um <laughs> So, um uh like like having uh just essentially listened to it for the first time i was like yeah no this is not country any more than like uh uh i don't know a dr dre song that samples uh a jazz uh uh interlude is a jazz song mm-hmm. um, Abs- oh absolutely <laughs> so um i can make a perfectly coherent argument for why this is uh totally not country music um, and also, I bet the white people who give a shit about the Billboard country charts were extremely offended about um, a black person uh, messing up their shit. So, yeah, um, I think we can all agree on everything. And uh, I, 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 for one, am here for um, a near future when 
just the Billboard country charts are completely dominated by some <laughs> new hip hop country mashup. No, no, yeah, yeah, by by SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud uh, hip hop country. That's yes. what the chart should become. Oh heck yes! Just a whole bunch of people with uh, uh, the sort of um, ceremonial title Lil at the beginning of their uh, musician name. Mm-hmm. Or even there's got to be an even better uh, like country prefix. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, we could, we, yeah, yeah. So Lil would be just for the people who want to sound like they're from Atlanta. Yeah, and then the people who want to sound like they're from Nashville. Uh, could be, I don't know, but you could switch old. to big, but that's kind of obvious. I like old. Old would be good. Yeah. That would be, per- that's it. Yeah. R- right there. Mm-hmm. It really fits. Yeah. So then we would have old Nas X, which is a much better name. Yeah. Old Yachty. <laughs> old Uzi Vert. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, wow. We're, yeah. We're starting it here. Uh, yeah. In fact, this podcast is being converted. If this doesn't happen now, I will be offended. Just, um. <laughs> just solely a SoundCloud uh, country hip hop <laughs> podcast. Oh my god! Yeah. Okay. We just turned uh, Old Town Road from a dumbass novelty hit to uh, the foundation of a new genre that will um, rule the youth for a half decade. I think the thing we could agree is that if the real Nas uh, recorded a country album would be fantastic or terrible wait what sorry i think you're actually cutting out a little oh bit. i said if the real nas recorded a country album uh-huh it would be fantastic or terrible uh, it would be so bad there's no way it would be good <laughs> uh kid kid cuddy's uh, rock album was extremely bad yeah the there no rapper has made a good uh i'm i'm doing rock now album and um, i mean that's that just makes sense i mean if billy corgan recorded a rap album it would be uh just an uh, unlistenable abomination oh my god it would be he would he would go to jail um <laughs> there's the like, canceling would be too good for him um uh we've, we've talked enough about old town road yeah exactly <laughs> we're done okay um all right joe uh next we could talk about um some old dudes who died or we could talk about myspace which also died uh let's uh let's talk about uh some old dudes all right the angels of ashes will give back your passions again and again The light shafts will reach through the darkness and touch you, my friend. They'll fly in a mind dance and blind you with wings wrapped in flame. If you're down to an echo, they just might remember your name. In the unbroken darkness.
Angel of Ashes uh, from the album Scott 4 uh, by Scott Walker. Who... Angels of Ashes, ah, just to be super Thank technical. you, thank you. Um, it wouldn't be Savage Beast if we weren't super technical. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Fuck that, not being technical. Mr. Walker, Sir Scott Walker, I have no idea if he's a knight or not. Um, <laughs> well, every, he's American, so every, that'd be pretty weird. <laughs> isn't everyone in England a knight? I don't know. <laughs> he was only popular in England. He's from here. <laughs> that doesn't mean they can't make him a knight. <laughs> um, Scott Walker passed away. Uh, he, uh, I, I think he is someone who uh, has that Velvet Underground legacy mm. of um, he may not have been s- that popular, but, you know, everyone who listened to him uh, started a popular band. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was just massively influential on um, a lot of amazing artists. Um, and, uh, you know, the one that sticks out to me uh, is is Radiohead. Um, Tom York said uh, when Scott Walker passed that he, you know, learned a lot about how to use his voice uh, expressively as an instrument from listening uh, to to cool. Scott Walker's albums. Wow, um, being a being a major influence on Tom York's voice is uh, <laughs> yeah. That's uh, that's one to put on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Damn, um, and I get wow. it because you know he. It, started off you know singing um standards or in in for the style of standards um and he bent it further and further into something that was you know twisted into this uh you know uh uh avant-garde yeah uh, singer songwriter um uh atmospheric beautiful um you know works of of kind of sonic painting yeah it's really wild actually that he got started out as like a wannabe 60s boy band guy like it's like if 30 years from now uh, a dude from o-town was like a famous uh uh out there avant-garde guy um which i don't think will happen yeah um it probably speaks more to the way the music industry worked back then, where it's just maybe only one <laughs> way to get into it, and then you had to figure out the way to do that's true the thing you wanted to do. That's true. It's still wild. Oh, totally. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, the his voice really is crazy. Um, I don't know. It feels to me like when he sings vowels, it's like he's fitting his whole mouth uh, around them. And he sort of warbles through them in a in a really uh, cool way, and um, uh, I don't know. It's just cool that he was like that wild his whole life. Um, his work uh, got continuously uh, weirder um, without getting so weird that nobody liked it. Uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, personally, uh, apart from like the electrician, which we talked about at length on an episode a, while, a long time ago. Um, uh, there aren't really too many Scott Walker songs that I really love. Uh, I like really respect uh, his ethos, and I think his voice is amazing. But like, 
so I listened to The Drift and Bish Bosh's last two uh, sort of standalone solo albums in the past couple of days. And uh, I had heard them before. And, you know, really my reaction to them is like, I guess the first time I heard The Drift, I didn't really like it at all. Um, but uh, now it's like uh, I'm continuously sort of background interested in it. And then every t- once in a while I'll look up and I'll be like, that's pretty cool. But uh, it's like too songless for me. Um, which, you know, I hate uh, ever admitting that I'm not cool enough for uh, the weird stuff, but it doesn't quite get there in terms of being something I would love, even though I'm like, this is this is definitely an interesting thing going on. Yeah, I think I think you, you know, you, you definitely described uh, the, the uh, strange and singular allure of his voice mm-hmm. and his uh, approach to music. Um, it's something and it's something that I still am am you know uh, coming across at different places uh, I, I definitely um, was introduced to him uh, by the movie life the life aquatic um, where uh, his uh, short but absolutely beautiful song uh, 30th century man from uh, Scott three is featured um, mm. and again, I think even in a, in a, a, they're in a soundtrack that features, uh, uh, David Bowie and, uh, say, so, say, George, yeah. you know, um, and, a, and a lot of, um, uh, you know, great artists. His voice is just this booming singular, yeah. uh, it's almost a speaking voice that he's singing with. Um, and it's, it's was instantly stood out to me there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's, uh, uh, you know, I think I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's kind of the, uh, the experience a lot of people have kind of getting into him where they, they, they hear him in one place and the other and just, you know, they kind of forget everything else that's going on. <laughs> and they're like, who is this person speaking directly to me? That's how I felt when I saw the electrician in the movie Bronson. So a mm. uh, similar story. There you go. Um, but, you know, I never really went back to Scott's one through four. And uh, uh, having listened to Angels uh, of Ashes just now, uh, I think, uh, and uh, hearing the things you just said, um, I will do that. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's more the side of Scott Walker that appeals to me than the um, – uh, sort of like I don't know, uh, uh, gothy uh, horror noise of his later stuff, which <laughs> is uh, interesting and like very interesting, but not like something I would l- listen to and like get lost in. I think uh, Scott three and particularly Scott four is where this turn happened. Okay, uh, well, see, I feel like the electrician really is sort of uh, uh, almost like segmented into halves of both sorts of things. So yeah. Uh, and it came after those, so maybe that uh, I don't know. Maybe he was actually kind of thinking that way at some point, in some way. Anyway, uh, R.I.P. Scott. Uh, we'll yeah. all keep listening to his music. Yeah, he led a long, uh, weird, and productive life, so that's cool. Yeah, um, and he he uh, uh, he maintained a real uh, style to the end. It seems like uh, I will. I, I do want to mention that Nigel, uh, the uh, producer. Uh, Radiohead's uh, best work um, said that uh, he saw Scott Walker riding his bike 
uh, to the first day of recording OK Computer. And oh, wow. And when he got into the studio, uh, Tom York was holding a copy of Scott 4. Whoa. Yes. <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. Um, there you damn. go. Yeah, that makes me I'm I'm no longer a materialist and I believe in weird coincidences. Yes. Um <laughs> All right. Um okay, so uh unfortunately, uh another uh quite old guy with an extremely long career, um uh, although very different, uh died recently. And that is Dick Dale, mm-hmm. whose classic song uh Miserloo. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. We will now listen to So that song is super famous, um, and it's so famous that it felt a little basic to be use it as our Dick Dale uh, sample song. But uh, I listened to some Dick Dale recordings, and that is definitely by far the best Dick Dale recorded <laughs> song, um, which is – there's no shame in that because that song rules. Um, and uh, Quentin Tarantino used it in Pulp Fiction, uh, uh, accidentally film soundtrack uh, use of these songs has become a theme today. <laughs> um Anyway, um, but uh, it was interesting to me when Dick Dale uh, passed away because by sheer chance, like, I don't know, it might have been a week, but I, th- I want to say it was like three or four days before he died. I just happened to be looking through concerts happening in Tucson over the next few months. And I was like, you know, looking all the way out to May, a, few, uh, a couple, uh, two or three months ahead of time uh, where, mm-hmm. I was, uh, where I was then. And uh, I saw Dick Dale at one of the venues that I often go to. And I was like, well, that can't be the real Dick Dale. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I clicked on it. And it's actually fucking like 82-year-old Dick Dale who, um, like, this is like a pre-Beatles rock star, um, quite literally. And mm. uh, um, uh, he's one of these guys who, they're like a handful of them who... Uh, I took a, I mentioned it before, a history of rock and roll class in college, and um, there was a textbook for it that sort of walked you through the history of rock and roll up through, I don't know, like the 90s or something. And uh, anybody who gets a lot of, who got a lot of uh, uh, column inches in that book, like, like uh, I just remember them really well. So right. Dick Dale was one of these guys. Um, and, uh, you know, he deserved his place in it because uh, even though he didn't make a huge impact as a recording artist, um, 
he basically apparently just like invented hard rock in uh southern california in the early 60s um damn yeah i mean like so he's got that crazy picked uh you know really fast picking style which he continued to play in up until like the day he died uh you can find videos of him like playing in like a guitar center online um where he's this old guy and he's just like he's just like cranking out those riffs same as ever (laughs) um uh with two other dudes who are Uh, younger amazing i know and um and so like you know when i saw this uh show was coming up i actually uh was inspired to tweet on our on our timeline um about like you know i looked him up and was reminded of a few details like this guy basically as much as any one person uh uh is an inventor of rock and roll um because not only was he just playing like fast loud guitar music at a very very early date but he actually kept blowing up his fucking amps because the technology of the time was not badass enough for him and so he worked directly with leo fender who lived nearby of fender guitars to make better more powerful amps that he would not so easily explode while he was playing them yeah so uh just right there like like this guy uh completely rules uh as far as i'm concerned um so, but then, you know, he also founded a genre. Surf rock is uh, people trying to sound like Dick Dale. And, uh, yeah, so um, uh, when he died, I was actually like, well, that sucks because um, now I kind of wish I had gone to see him just because it's like, I don't know, it feels like going to a political rally and they're like, yeah, Abraham fucking Lincoln is going to be there, dude. Um, so, uh, I Damn, don't know. that'd be a good rally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, it's just like, uh, he's a Titanic figure in his field, and you could see him until like a month ago playing. Uh, it's wild. I mean, he played through uh, incredible physical ailments. Yeah. Uh, just that apparently, you know, getting up on stage was uh, excruciating for him at times, but he really couldn't imagine doing anything else. You know, yeah. it's just if he had the opportunity to still play. Uh, yeah he he thought that was the best way to live life that's what it seems like he also apparently needed the money for health issues well um, he didn't seem like too bitter of a dude about it yeah yeah i mean um i i think that uh it's when these these older rock and roll legends are passing um you know dick dale and then uh, the members of the the wrecking crew have passed away including uh uh, Hal Blaine, who mm-hmm. played on so many uh, number one hits. Another uh, big name in the rock and roll textbook I mentioned. Yes, yes. So Bridge Over Troubled Water, Mrs. Robinson, uh, Be My Baby, which is just like yeah. a top ten beat of all time. Um, uh, yeah. And, a, you know, and a bunch of Beach Boys songs, um, Mamas and the Papas, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, you, you realize that there's this class – of rock and roll artists yeah. who uh, created um, everything that people build on today. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and back at a time when it was an industrial endeavor, you yeah. know, there was so much to do. Uh, there was so much that hadn't been done yet. And I feel like people like Dick Dale or how Blaine just, you know, they they had all this raw uh, inspiration to work with um, and, and to play all these uh, amazing 
rock riffs or rock beats for the first time Mm -hmm. uh it's pretty cool and and uh you know it's it's i think a lot about just how rock uh you know the the used to have sort of this basic standard form Mm -hmm. and that you know what what that era means and as that era like the people who did that are are it's uh, passing out of living memory. Straight up, say. yes, straight up dying. Um, you know, just like World War II, um, it's becoming something that only exists um, in in recordings and and textbooks. Yeah, uh, and uh, we're in yeah. uh, us. We're on our own. Mm-hmm. Hey, man! In like uh, sixty years, people will be like, "God damn!" You know, Snoop Dogg finally died. Mm-hmm. We're losing that first generation of mainstream rappers. Yeah. <laughs> it is it is crazy like i mean as you you know as life progresses i mean you've been used to uh people a lot older than you being around uh-huh. and you know that there there's fewer and fewer people who have seen things you haven't seen or done yeah the things that you are building on uh, yeah when the boomers are gone that's gonna be crazy yeah nobody to t- yammer to you about like uh i don't know the grateful dead in vietnam yeah, um, no one uh, to talk about how great the Reagan years were for their <laughs> property values. <laughs> that might be harder to kill. Just, them. just <laughs> rocking to Dick Dale in your uh, McMansion uh, outside of Cincinnati. Exactly. Um. Uh. Okay. So before we get to our last. Um, uh, plan segment. I have a couple things uh, that I want to make quick notes about. So, uh, first of all, Pulse, um, quick notes. Do, 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 do. Um, uh, a couple times recently, I had occasion to go up to Phoenix, which is like an hour and a half drive away from me, mm-hmm. um, because there were good events going on. Um, one of which, well, three times recently. Phoenicia, uh, as the city was known in ancient Greece. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's a famous uh, uh, home of seafaring raiders. Um, so, um, yeah, actually there were three things, I guess. Uh, no, did I, I mentioned low last time. So yeah, I yes. saw low. Then a week later, um, I went up for, uh, a HeadFi mini, uh, meetup, HeadFi.org, a, uh, famous, um, uh, headphone audiophile site, mm. uh, organized at a Hilton Garden Inn in their, one of their little conference rooms there. So anyway, uh, that was super fun. I brought up my vinyl and I just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Coover and uh, the other dudes on HeadFi who put together a really fun thing where I got to like talk to people about vinyl and listen to really expensive amps and stuff. So. Now we're talking about the HeadFi guys by name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, shouting out their uh, their handles. Um, also, uh, uh, bzzz, uh, there are many Z's in that who uh, gave me a uh, like fairly expensive tube for my preamp uh, just because he thought it would make it sound better and he didn't have a use for it. So um, super nice dude. Um, anyway, uh, if you're into audiophile stuff at all, uh, it's a good idea to go to one of these because then you can actually listen to this shit that costs hundreds or thousands of dollars before you have to um, uh, spend money on it. This is like me, uh, you know, meeting up with people as you witnessed in several places uh, from the Smashing Pumpkins board, Netforia. Yeah. And referring to them by their handles. <laughs> uh, exactly. Um, 
Yeah, no, it's funny. Then, so like one of Coover's reviews of the Mies Empyrean headphone then made the front page of HeadFi the other day. I was like, oh, I know him. I've met him. That's cool. Um, I know that dude. <laughs> um, and he had those headphones at the meetup, although I didn't listen to them. Um, because, I don't know, I kind of don't want to know what I'm missing out on with uh, $4,000 headphones that I'm never going to buy. So. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, but I had a specific question for you, and that you may uh, be prepared or not to answer yeah what's at this that juncture uh is the multi-bit DAC worth it yeah um so i tried to do a real uh as good of a test as i could with it um i did an a b test going out of my computer into the modi multi-bit DAC, which is like the cheapest multi-bit DAC you could buy mm-hmm. um but is still 250 dollars uh new and um uh, i compared that to the uh, FIO E17K that I had been using for a while as my DAC. So both going out of the USB on my PC into the same preamp um, and playing the same like source files. Mm-hmm. Um, so I tried listening to uh, several things. Um, so I tried to listen to songs that had um, heavy, uh, impactful uh, uh, bass parts. So like uh, Idiotech was one. And mm-hmm. then I also did uh, uh, Backseat Freestyle by Kendrick Lamar. Um, these are ones where like the the real the slam of the music is definitely something I want to hear. Um, and then I also tried things with more details. So since I was already there in Kid A, um, I listened through um, uh, everything in its right place all the way pretty much on both DACs, um, which is good because, you know, there's simple passages in that, but also it gets pretty busy at one point and the beat is never really taking over. It's a lot of different sort of uh, melodic things and then weird sounds and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, I, I listen to some other tracks, too. Anyway, my impression is that um, it does sound a little bit better on the more expensive, fancier technology. Um, I think I am not just convincing myself that that is the case. Yes. Um, and when, I, 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 should, yeah. I should, you know, jump in and say that the supposed advantage is that the multi-bit DAC um, does less to the digital file coming to your computer. So when you have a, a wave file, an MP3, um, hopefully a lossless wave or FLAC file, um, the multi-bit DAC does less to that as it's translating it from that digital file to the analog uh, yeah. signal going to your stereo equipment and ultimately headphones or speakers. Yeah, supposedly it it in effect is using more uh, bits mm-hmm. uh, per sample uh, than the delta sigma uh, uh, DAX, uh, and, otherwise and is, popular. And is also getting uh, I don't quite understand this part, but is getting the timing right on it. Well, that's so that's a separate concern. Okay, um, some multi-bit DAX, not uh, spe- in fact, not the one I use. Um, so one thing you can have with bits is, you know, they're, they're, mm. this just became audiophile nerd real fast. I'm going to do this as bits. fast as I can. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so the bit is, of course, uh, they're telling you what the voltage is every, uh, you know, 144,000th of a second, right? Mm-hmm. And so you've got all these uh, little measurements that should need to be coming at exactly precise right intervals, right? Supposedly... Yes. Um, your cheaper, worse USB sources, such as uh, some computers, phones, whatever, but not all, um, have jitter in that they do not get the interval between these samples exactly right all the time. Mm-hmm. 
And so some DACs will reclock, as it's called, and basically take those samples and be like, yeah, no, actually, these are supposed to be this far apart, and they will fix the timing issues for you. The Modi Multibit does not have advanced reclocking, as far as I understand it. Uh, you have to go a couple notches up the line to get a lot of that uh, in your in your DAC. Mm. Um, so what instead of, what I've done instead is I've given it a really clean source for most of my digital listening. Um, so it's not as much of an issue. You can also buy separate USB decrapifiers, as they're colloquial known, colloquial, colloquially known, which will basically do that reclocking as a standalone thing. And then you plug that into your DAC, and you get both. Things. I've heard that the if you get the Modi multi-bit, that the decrapifier is basically redundant. Um, I mean, I would believe that because uh, it's... Um, yeah, it's pretty smart I, from what I understand. Yeah. But at any rate, I gave it a clean source, so it probably doesn't matter much in my case. Yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, listening so it's, through... it's in my cart, should I buy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, so the, the advantages I did see, um, you know, I felt like the base was a little tighter, a little mm. less sort of like flabby uh, with the mm -hmm. more expensive DAC. Um, and uh, so that was subtle, but I think I detected that. Um, and then more uh, like in everything in its right place when the sort of crescendos and there's a lot of stuff going on mm -hmm. in the song, it felt a little more detailed and less smeary with the better Dak. So mm, that's, um, that's that's the that's the song that I want to sound good. Yeah, and that's that's like the Joe thing I believe is that detail and uh, separation that you're looking for. Yeah. So if you're really honing in on that, um, I think you might find a difference. All that said, um, it's very subtle. Uh, yeah. It's entirely possible that you could switch it out on me and I wouldn't notice. Mm. Um, so uh, I would say this is a luxury purchase for those who uh, want to um, have peace of mind that they're listening to as good of a digital signal as they can. Um, I have listened to, uh, on the shit line at the HeadFi meetup, I listened to up through the um, uh, Gungner um level of DAC and uh it's a little t hard for me to isolate because they were set up in stacks of matched uh, uh DACs and amps so I was also listening to a better amp when I was listening to the Gungner and I definitely noticed when you combine them anyway that there was a lot more or not a lot but noticeably more punch and dynamic uh speed with the better equipment mm. um which is what I truly value so as a result of that, I went out and bought a new uh, a, a new amp uh, that I'm very happy with the mm. uh, shit Asgard, um, which is not as expensive as those other things, but uh, is uh, very good. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, I would say DAC uh, slight, but uh, I think real difference. Um, personally, I think the amp uh, is where, uh, for my taste, um, I want to uh, be more focused on my chain because. Um, I do find that amps with uh, proper power um, provide uh, the ability to listen to music with really strong punch in the um, bass and in the percussion and everything and just the attack on anything uh, without having to turn it up so loud that like I hurt my ears after a while. So um, uh, I'm very happy with my choice in amps so far uh, in that respect. Uh, thank you. Good summary. And, uh, just as we say all the time, if you haven't listened with good headphones, a good amp, yeah. give it a shot. Yeah. Um, I also got some Grado headphones recently, uh, as an experiment. Um, and they have no bass whatsoever, but I'm going to explore some mods to fix that and I'll let you know. Sweet. Uh, 
Yeah, because they they're supposedly the the rock fans choice amongst uh, audiophile headphones. Mm. So. Um, yes, I've heard a lot about them. Yeah, uh, supposedly they do well with like distorted guitars, which I definitely value that. So that'll be interesting. Anyway, um, the other thing I did was I went up and saw, speaking of distorted guitars, Dilly Dally, and I don't want to get too into it, but uh, their opener, Chastity, not Chastity, Belt, um, was, uh, I think, my favorite opener I've ever seen. They really rocked. Nice. It was a four-piece alternative rock band led by a large uh, dude who sort of looked like Andrew WK now that I think about it. Um, uh, but um, I haven't gone back to their recordings yet, which I need to because I really enjoyed their live show. Uh, when they were on, there were like maybe 10 people in the club, and I was the foremost one of them uh, in terms of where I was standing. Um, so nice. uh, I rocked out to them, and then Dilly Dally came on, and I continued to rock out very hard. And um, I don't know, they just played uh, all their many good songs, and they were real into it. And uh, they, we were up to like maybe 50 people when they were playing, which has still left a lot of room in the club. So shame on Phoenix. Uh, but um, w- my neck was sore for three days afterwards because uh, I was nice. losing it the whole time. And this was one of my favorite shows I've ever seen. Outstanding. Yeah. Uh, good, good times. Good band. Yeah. Love uh, to see good music. I think they might be my favorite of the uh uh, you know, angry alternative girl rock bands uh, that we talk about all the time. We're, we're, we're right fortunate now. to have such a selection to pick from. Exactly. I mean, how do you put them above so pop along? So much Lady tough. Anger. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think we have one more segment, Joe. Is that true? Uh, I don't know. What segment are you referring to? The We talk about this article about MySpace losing all its music. Well, we thing. can talk about no. I mean, I I also have to go off again about oh, okay. Radiohead at the at being oh, inducted yeah. to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I forgot. Do you? It sounds like you got the sauce in you right now. I need to go off. That. Yeah. <laughs> Give me that. Well, let's slather get there. It on me, let's get there. Let's boy. get there. Okay. Uh, Radiohead has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, David Byrne gave a uh, short but uh, very. Uh, thoughtful uh induction speech uh in which he uh, it was touch and go there whether he would induct them or not but he decided <laughs> to in the end um in which he you know he acknowledged um you know both the audacity of their project which is to you know be recognized for making um absolutely outstanding music where there is no compromises to the to the popular um and um, also their um, innovation in terms of, you know, how their music would be released and mm, yeah. um, uh, discussed and marketed and, um, you know, dis- dissected, um, just always having a mind for, like, the entire package of what people were receiving um, in terms of their, you know, when you're creating this, this level of art. Uh, yeah, they like married distribution to their vision. Yeah, they never just kind of okay. We record the the album and eh, whatever. Yeah, you know, just put our name on the cover. Well, I would argue that the SoundCloud rappers have exactly as fitting a distribution channel for their music mm. as Radiohead does for theirs. But anyway, interesting. I'd be into <laughs> that uh, that discussion. Um, yeah. Uh, and uh, good for good for Radiohead. Uh, Phil and Ed came. The most basic members of Radiohead <laughs> showed up. Um, without, I the, feel like 
Colin should have been there too. So it was just I, like all the ones who don't write the song. I feel like Colin should be in the audience with a big smile on his face, just clapping. <laughs> Hooray. It would have been funny if it was just Nigel. Uh, yes. Um, uh, having recently watched an interview with Tom and Johnny uh, and just seeing Tom's awkwardness talking about music and then seeing how Johnny is like 10 times more awkward uh, of a person to the point where he spoke once during like a 10 minute interview. Um, no surprise. They didn't come. Um, although Tom York was also debuting his symphonic uh, work. Um, it's, it's really wild that you could be that famous for that long and not get somewhat comfortable with. Um, it's true. The stuff. Well, so here's my thing. I mean, the, yeah. We've never talked about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and hopefully we'll never talk about it again. Uh-huh. And it's an easy target. I mean, you know, it's yeah. it, it's it's some weird pyramid in Cleveland um, that that <laughs> supposedly is the judge of what is the best rock and roll or not. Uh-huh. Um, but a fundamentally misguided concept. You know, I mean, it's it's very very difficult to separate the art of rock and roll from the entertainment aspect of it. Sure. Um, I think that uh, you know, Paul, you you endeavor to, uh, you specifically, work hard at th- at at that project. Um, but even when uh, you know, uh, you're not attending a ton of arena rock. Mm-hmm. Um, shows, but even when one of us is at a car seat headrest concert, we're we're expecting to be entertained. Oh no question. Um, and I, I think to draw the line at a moderately interesting museum that has an annual concert to inaugurate its new exhibits uh, is, you know, rather arbitrary. Yeah, and uh, you know, not really a, a, a useful uh, project. And and so what I uh object to um instead of you know the fact that there there is a rock and roll hall of fame is that there's what is it celebrating what 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 is (laughs) fame in this i mean you know what i i just yeah when there is sport when there's a basketball hall of fame something else has occurred uh that indicates success but in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, like, there aren't, like, it's not a competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, people do sell more albums. I guess that is a awkward, you know, judge of what is good. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think if you're going to go all Chuck Klosterman on it and and <laughs> we're all Bill Simmons, like, it's, there has to be something that people compete with. So Some metric of success. Yes, and—, and yeah. Yes, yes, okay. and and where I will go and leave you a, a place to, to jump <laughs> in here is that, I mean, I, I don't think Radiohead is one of, like, you know, 50 to 60 bands that one should should explore when you're going into, you know, rock and roll. They're, they're clearly, in my mind, you know, a, a, one of the five best. Yeah. Rock and roll artists of all time, and probably the best one since rock's you know long uh, original phase that maybe mm-hmm. goes from 1960 through the mid 70s. Um, you know, maybe like Beatles, you know, Beatles through Led Zeppelin, 
you know, if there's sort of like a collective phase there. Yeah, the boomer I, bands. <laughs> yes, yes. I don't know that since that in the many decades since then that you could, you know, there are very few bands that you could say were as good as Radiohead or, or you know, have a, have a chance to be, yeah, um, you know, combine uh, such a, a deep and broad level of appeal. Um, and and the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame does nothing uh, to really uh, tease out these distinctions. Yeah, I mean, between the period you're talking about and Radiohead, there was, um, like, like what, what was the best band in the world? Like, U2, and they suck. Um, yeah, oh, man, yes. I uh, Yes, I'll, I'll right. We can have a different <laughs> U2 discussion. I don't think they suck. No, but, but they suck if they're – they suck as the best band in the world. Like, that's – they're not up to that task. And they yeah, they, they, they are – um definitely a prototype for the amount for the ambition that Radiohead had but yeah. not for the result. Yeah, or the taste. Um Yeah. Um anyway, <laughs> yeah, this is not going to be a U2 episode. <laughs> <laughs> I um, like a lot of U2 songs, but Me too actually. Yeah. No, I don't, I actually I actually I I really do enjoy a lot of U2 songs. I'm just saying yeah. if they're the best band in the world, something's wrong. Um uh anyway, um yeah, uh, I agree with what you said. Uh, Radiohead is too good for that. It's like one of these things where I just like, you know, if people want to have a dumb museum and they want to make selections uh, on a yearly basis so they can have a press release that uh, will actually get talked about in the news, um, that's a good business model. Um, and that's great for them. Uh, <laughs> you know, the metric for success er, for, for entry into the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame really is probably like 80% sales and 20% uh, critical reputation. True. Maybe, I mean, Jay-Z even, is in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's 20% critical reputation. I mean, like, I don't know, is um, is Limp Biscuit in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? I no. wouldn't be surprised if they made it at some point. I don't know. If they were a basketball player, they would be in the Basketball Hall of Fame for sure. Well, yes, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's a much separate discussion. <laughs> For tr- very true and the rock and roll hall of fame is weirdly discriminating i mean you know like pearl jam is in it and the smashing pumpkins aren't and yeah. uh yeah well oh, i would i would destroy someone who tried to say that was a, on the merit of the art that they created was did pearl jam sell more albums they might have sold significantly more i don't know they might not have too i just don't know uh, uh yeah i actually don't know that I know the pumpkins were like at 20 million or something for a while. I don't know where they are nowadays. Anyway, um, and they, they got to count melancholy as two for every sale. Um, anyway, um, yeah, that'd be interesting. If, if Pearl Jam has fewer. Uh, they're both at 30. They're both uh, right around 30 million. Okay, then the pumpkins better get in at some point. Because yeah. uh, if, there's, if there's sales parity, then by the Hall's criteria, I want the fucking pumpkins in there. Yeah. Um, uh, clearly a more interesting band. Come on, people. Yes. Um, Jesus. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So if the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wants to have one of my favorite artists in, uh, induct one of my favorite artists in, uh, I think that's great. And if they had never done it, I wouldn't have cared at all. So I don't know. Agreed. Um, and what, uh, <sighs> 
that's it. I've gone. I've gone off. I don't yeah. have a solution to this problem, uh, other than that uh, it it does need a solution. Like we do need a way to talk about rock mm. as art um, in a way that that is definitive. Do we? Um, I actually think you're wrong about that. I don't well, think. Why? We, I don't think we have to do that with any art. I don't think we have to like be able to put a greater than less than sign between like Radiohead and and Pearl or not Pearl Jam Pink Floyd or something. Um, well, yeah, okay, that, that's that's fair. I I guess yeah. that. Hmm, let me think about this for a moment. It's more that uh, maybe that that would be my ultimate argument against the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is that. Yes, we should go hard the other direction and let these distinctions be made by no institution. Yes. Oh, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. Other than Savage Beast, nobody should have an opinion on which. Band oh, yes, one. absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah. This is a uh, this is a consulship. Um, we've elected ourselves to it. Uh, mm-hmm. The two consuls and. Um, we are going out to destroy the barbarian hordes who, uh, uh, I don't know, probably put the cars into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and not the pumpkins. I don't, I'd have to look that up and see if it's true. And the cars are good. The cars are really good. Um, truly an excellent band. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The Hall of Fame of Rock and Roll, like many Halls of Fame, uh, is fundamentally a contradiction uh, unto itself. Um, so... Yeah. Uh, did you want to talk about um, uh, the failure of another archival institution, namely MySpace? Yeah, let's close with MySpace. All right. Um, you suggested this one, so I'll let you start. But we read an article by uh, somebody of the band Galaxy 5000. What is his name? I can't uh, uh, his name is? It's David something Polish, I think. No, it's it's Damon. Damon something Polish. That's right. Uh it's uh, um, Damon Krukowski who writes articles for Pitchfork every once in a while. And he talks about how MySpace uh, accidentally deleted a bunch of music that was up- uploaded to the site. Um, and uh, I think we've kind of dis- discussed this before um, that, you know, in the MP3 generation, there's a sense of permanence to that music it's a digital file of course it'll always be around yeah. um and he in this article on pitchfork uh, talks about how uh these uh, files um are essentially um uh at, they're totally at the mercy of having the correct um hardware and software to process and open them and that uh it's things change uh, much faster than such files can be, you know, updated. And, uh, you know, a lot of um, art and information is actually law being lost in this process. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it's something that I've, I've realized. I think we talked about how I, you know, trying to chase down MP3s of songs I listened to in the two thousands. And if the artist isn't selling them, uh, yeah, online anymore it's very hard to find um if there was never a physical release or if the physical release was um limited yeah uh, i had an example from shushu i think in that discussion. yes yeah. yes and and um i think what 
really struck me in this this pitchfork article this time is is maybe less the you know how hard it is to track these things down but just how uh, there are uh, massive amounts of of such digital files that um, I think uh, et cetera are at the mercy of um, yeah. technology being able to um, interpret them. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, so I agree. It is uh, it is a little bit jarring when you realize that um, digital stuff, like like I don't know, one of the chief concepts one associates with the word digital is like. Uh, you know, permanent over time, you mm-hmm. know, the, unlike listening to a cassette or uh, my precious eight tracks um, or, uh, you know, my even more precious uh, uh, phonograph records made of actual fucking wax from the twenties. I don't have any of these things. Shellacs or whatever they were. Right. Um, uh, uh, with, you know, you can listen to a digital file a million times and it sounds, it'll be exactly the same as it was before you did that. Um, so it is jarring when you realize that, um, yes, the bits stay the same on the device to a large degree, though not actually permanently. Um, uh, there are other fat forces that even more quickly will erode them away nonetheless. So it is sort of jarring when you realize that permanence is not actually an intrinsic feature of digitality. Um, on the other hand, um, there is so much fucking data in the world that mm. it's not actually that surprising that there ends up being there end up being practical filters for how much is preserved forever um so uh i mean just an insane you you see stats sometimes like you know every seven seconds um you know there's another petabyte of data out there in the world or whatever yes Um, and if you work with computers at, at all, you realize just how much random shit gets stored on them all the time for no reason. Oh, God, um, yes. <laughs> uh, and also just how much data is, is you, you know, like how many computer cycles are made to process data that nobody actually wants to process. Anyway, um, so, yeah, there's going to be some filter on what will actually be preserved because there's a lot of trash. Uh, everybody's own, like, phone gets full of trash after a while. Um so, uh, and it's also not really that weird historically that we lose uh, historical artifacts all the time. So, I don't know. I feel like it's more like we tricked ourselves into thinking this was not an issue mm. that we would have to deal with. But, in fact, we do. I mean, uh, how much of that MySpace music that is not copied anywhere else? You know, nobody kept a backup. Nobody uploaded it somewhere else a long time ago. Uh, uh, all that stuff. How much of that is, like, actually a loss? Um it's yeah. a pretty small number, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually, I love this argument that that, you know, it's just folly to ever imagine that we can preserve the past, that we can preserve um, anything approaching the majority of what we create as humans, and that we're lucky um, that uh, anything survives, or that, you know, or yeah. just that we should. Um, kind of embrace what does make it through and some of it is on merit and some of it is through chance yeah um, but it's just not going to be all of it and the fact that it's uh, electronic rather than um, you know pressed onto vinyl um, mm-hmm. doesn't really change that basic fact of um, you know time's arrow pointing continually away <laughs> from the the point of creation towards the point of destruction exactly 
Um, yeah, and you know, I just to be clear, like I I am super interested in history. I'm super interested in learning uh, how things were in times past. Um, I love uh, finding new interesting artifacts of uh, things people used to be into, even if they were totally like you know sort of strange personal details of how people uh in, you know int- amuse themselves back in the day and it wasn't anything particularly deep or interesting but um so i'm all for archiving and preserving and all those things um but we we do do a lot of that i mean uh archive.org you can find snapshots of the most obscure content on the mm. web many uh, of my old websites yes and they're uh, there will be many versions of these things preserved, and you can observe them over time. And it's like, it's like stuff that nobody actually gives a shit about, except like you know sometimes I do for professional reasons. But it's not like uh, humanity's uh, culture is preserved here in anything but an academic sense. Um, you can so, also basically listen to you know enough Smashing Pumpkins concerts to totally satisfy any need to understand <laughs> uh, the totality of their live exactly uh, artistic expression yeah no so um things should be saved i remember when geocities was shutting down a few years ago people launched a big project to archive all of that which i think is awesome because um, that really is like i don't know i feel mm-hmm. like it's like quilt digital quilting or something it's this completely uh idiosyncratic folk art um but uh, yeah, so um, I agree. It's it's certainly worth pondering and thinking about. But um, you know, uh, there there are practical limits to what we can even consume if we did save it all. Yeah, and I mean, you know, that's that's I think about uh, whether uh, the creation of of uh, that uh, I and our friend TJ made, uh, which was a mashup track of uh, the. Tr- transformers season three uh, theme song and obscene thundercats bloopers uh, (laughs) into an amazing thumping track uh, that was hosted on a geocity site Uh, that file's probably lost forever yeah it's probably uh, you know would anyone have ever listened to it should anyone have listened to it i don't know but yeah What's but. funny is I know exactly which. Uh, oh no, sorry, I didn't. No, no, go ahead. I know exactly which uh, Thundercats blooper audio you're talking about. No, it's, it's, that is preserved forever because yeah, fucking that's got to be on YouTube a million times. Yeah. Um, did I never learned the providence of it? It's it's just some somebody who's really good at doing the voices, right? It's not the real thing. I thought it was someone that kind of smuggled out the tapes from the thun. You know, if those are real bloopers, that's awesome. Um, I just assumed it was like, uh, you know, back then it was conceivable that it was authentic. Nowadays, mm-hmm. if I heard something like that, I would just assume point yes. blank that, that it was a faked thing because that's exactly what all of internet humor is now. Well, but, we'll never know. But you think it might be real. Yeah, no, there's no way to find out. Um, I hope it's real. That'd be awesome. Yes. Uh, that should be the closing track, Joe, is uh, Snarf talking about oral sex. Absolutely. <laughs> the fuck is a samoflange? Uh, All right. Uh, any final thoughts, Joe, on this uh, this disparate potpourri of topics? No, nah, I've shared about. a bunch of bunch of dumbass thoughts. I'm I'm out of them. All right, good. Uh, I want uh, that's that's how it should be. Yeah. Um, everybody, please uh, interact with us uh, digitally. 
uh, SavageBeastPod on Twitter, SavageBeastPod at gmail.com, SavageBeastPod.com. Uh, of course, we, repre- we appreciate your ratings, your reviews, and your comments on uh, iTunes and other podcast platforms, so please do that. And um, uh, look forward to Joe coming to a city near you soon. Uh, yes, and uh, many thanks to our sponsor, uh, shit.com. They pay us no money. They don't uh-huh. know who we are, but we talk about their stuff every episode. Now. I know. Yeah, I, I need to listen to other people's stuff just so I have other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we should Grado. That's another brand. Yeah. We, we, can hump a, we can hump a lot of brands on this show. Now I'm listening uh, right now. I'm listening to – well, I guess I've got my Sony headphones on. I'm yeah. staring at my Hi-Fi Man headphones, though. I got my Oppo headphones um, on, and they and can't be paying me to say that because they are not doing those anymore. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we're also sponsored by uh, Lil Nas Y. <laughs> yeah, clearly the better of the Lil Nas's. Um, all right. Good night, everybody. Uh, good night. I hope this file is lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The digital oblivion. Yeah, just dis- disintegrates into silicon. Mm-hmm. All